everyone. It's Shegulola Salami. It's the Shegulola Salami show. It's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. We have virtual drinks and pastries and we have virtually interesting conversations. Um, today is actually a very special episode. It's like a bonus episode. Um, I've got a little project that I'm working on. But I thought instead of me to just tell you guys, come and, you know, take part in this is my project. I thought I would bring in two guests who have been on the show before. Well, one's been on the show twice and one's got an episode coming up um, in the next few weeks. And I thought it would be a great idea to chat with them. And hopefully you can get some insight into what I'm working on. Um, So the first person is a lady who, like I said before, has been on the show twice. I will let her introduce herself. Her name's Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back again. Yes. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Yourself? I am exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted. So I feel half asleep, right? My daughter is the type that she sleeps like a starfish and she decided she would <laughs> to me. So today I've woken up and I feel like, you know, I've been to some military prison camp and they've just <laughs> given me military drills. So every part of me aches. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I was just at a music festival over the weekend with my two stepsons and my husband, all of us sleeping in a tent. And oh, I can relate. I just wake up with achy bones and just, oh, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like thunder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a great time. It was my first time at a music festival with kids. So, and they're 13 and 10, so it's not like they're little kids running around. So it was definitely a different experience, but really, really great. Awesome. So um, I'm not really good at introducing people. So would you like to introduce yourself? Tell people. Of course. Yeah. So I am Lisa Sabaniak. I'm the founder of lifelikeyoumeanit.com. I'm a a motivational speaker, an NLP practitioner and an author. And I focus on helping women to overcome their limitations so that they can build the life that they deserve. And that is after myself overcoming the limitations that I had after 10 years of child abuse. Awesome. Thank you for your nice introduction. And the guest is she's going to be making her first appearance on my podcast in a few weeks' time. Her name is Ruthie, and I will let her introduce herself as well. Hello, my name is Ruthie uh, Berkowitz. I live in the United States um, in a, a state called Pennsylvania. I am an author, first-time author. I wrote a, a little book about a little girl moving from the farm to the city, which I thought was a big, huge city, and it was a little town. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was a paralegal, but actually I worked as an optician most of my life for 30 years, helping people, you know, kind of like getting their prescriptions so that they can see. And uh, in regards to being an author, um, I started writing at five years old, because back in the school days of when I went in kindergarten, you were not allowed to write with your left hand. You had to write with your right hand. So I was so distraught because I did not want to get in trouble for writing with my left hand that I came home and I started that day writing everything that I could possibly do. And that was my first name. So ever since then, 
I've been writing down all of my life experiences and frustrations and happiness and sadness and births of my babies and marriages. And that's how I became an author. I am a mother of four and married and my children were grown. And I'm just so happy to be here today. And thank you for inviting me to your show. I hope that, I hope you can hear me. <laughs> I can hear you. I can okay. see that um, Shaggy Lola's microphone is off, though. Oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure. I kind of ah, got it. In there the she is. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> okay. As you both know, it is a virtue cafe. Let's start yes. with drinks, right? What, what, what is your poison or what are your poisons? Mm, you go first, Ruthie. Okay, I already know what I love. There's two things. I, I do love hot chocolate in the winter, but I do like a hot chai latte with almond milk with two extra spritzers, and I love homemade orange scones with a little bit of warm vanilla frosting on top. Those wow. Favorite. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, how about you, Lisa? I also am a fan of the chai latte. I will, um, I'll take a large of that, please, as I recover from my weekend. <laughs> and then coincidentally, right? Coincidentally, and you do know I love telling a story. <clears throat> so a good few weeks back at the start of winter, um, I went to, when I went to our local supermarket, because here, you know, they're jack of all trades, right? They sell everything. And they had a dwarf citrus tree of some sort and you know it was like really tiny they're almost like tangerines but i can't get it i couldn't tell if they were tangerines or satsumas i don't even know what the difference between the both of them are but they were like really tiny so bought them took them home planted them in my pot because in my garden you know i put everything in pots um so they then sort of you know ripened a bit and I tasted them and I thought, ew, they just taste foul. They're not delicious. And I'm like, I spent 20 pounds for this dwarf tree. That really disgusting fruit, right? Um, so, you know, only yesterday I was thinking to myself, what can I do? Because we harvested all the fruits because I didn't want them to just, you know, fall over my floor um, in the garden. So I said, I was thinking to myself, what can I do with it? And I thought, hmm, orange marmalade. And then here we are today, and Ruthie's asking for orange scones. Nice. Sounds delicious. So I think, you know, what if we, I then got you cream teas and stuff? So scones with um, clotted cream and my... Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We'll be right there. Oh, yes. <laughs> now I'm hungry. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. I think, would you like some, Lisa? I would love some. Thank you. Awesome. Virtual food is always best and it doesn't go to your hips either. <laughs> I feel like mine still will. <laughs> no, just, just thinking about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nowadays, that's what it all it takes, it seems. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> okay, cool. So I know everyone's listening. They're like, okay, so what is this project, right? So if you're not been following my podcast right i will just sort of start from the beginning so the show started i think if i remember if my memory serves me well it started february 2016 and since then you know it's been three years plus there's been a theme where people have come and they've talked about 
not very pleasant things that have happened in their lives, you know, most especially as children and how that has affected who they are as adults. And myself, before I started, so I became an accidental author. I became an accidental podcaster just because at that point in my life, I was really struggling with losing my mother. And when I started, my mother had passed away like two years already, right? And it was still a really difficult time in my life. And it's like, I was struggling with it because most times people say, oh yes, you know, after a few weeks, you know, you move on or after a year and you're only supposed to mourn somebody for a year. And, you know, after a year, you know, you're supposed to just automatically just get over it. And there I was, you know, two and a half, almost three years later, right? I was still literally in the worst place of my life, right? And I was like, why? And then instead of it to be getting better, it was just getting worse. And I was like, whoa. But then I looked at my daughter, you know, at the time she was one and a half, two. And I was like, you know what? I, this cannot go on forever. So I needed to sort of, I started reprogramming. I had to return my brain cells to, the, to my factory settings. I'm like, okay, I'm broken, right? I'm like, admitting that I was broken and I needed to fix myself. And it leaded me to becoming an author because I was sort of trying to document how I was feeling and taking ownership of my life. And that's how I became an author. And that's how I became a podcaster. And, you know, through a series of steps that I took, albeit indirectly, because I didn't sit off, sit down and say, oh, yes, this is what I'm going to do. You know, it's sort of just one thing led to another. Because I think when you're determined, you know, you can find a solution to most problems, right? So from my point of view, I knew what it was, you know, what my main problem was that I was grieving, right? But then I remember a conversation with a friend of mine, and I'm going to give you like this long-winded story to sort of get to the point, because if I don't give you the backstory, it probably might not make sense, right? So I met this friend of mine when I was in my 20s, and he was one of the smartest men I had ever met. He was one of the most successful friends that I had. And he had this most amazing, amazing life, right? Um, and I remember a while, you know, we were having one, one of these random conversations, right? Because he, when you look at him, he's not a kind of guy you go, whoa, he's Denzel Washington or he's Tay Diggs. You know, he's not, you know, immediately you don't think, oh my God, he's the most handsome man on God's green earth. But the more you get to know him, you think, oh my God, this is, this person has the biggest heart. He's the kindest, you know, all the good things you can say about a human being, you know, he's got all of those things. And I remember when we were, um, talking about, you know, sort of our childhood and things, he was saying to me that if he had a choice, that he would rather be like Denzel Washington or Tay Dix. He would rather be the, you know, good looking one rather than the smart one, right? Because then, you know, in school, girls didn't look at smart boys. They only ever went to look at, you know, the good looking guys. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. So he was like, he would give up his smarts 100% of the time. If the TARDIS was here right now and it said, do you want to go back to you know, being <laughs> in secondary school? He said he would give up being smart. You know, smart does not do anything for your social life as a child or as a teenager. And he would give it up, right? Um, and wow. so one of the wow. things that I got from that conversation is that, you know, because he was married or he's still married, but at the time he was sort of newly married. And he was, he was really a good husband, but he used to cheat on his wife, right? Wow. And in my mind, I sort of rationalized it that he was going through a personal crisis where, you know, nobody wanted him, quote unquote, whilst he was in school. And suddenly, you know, everyone's now working and he was really successful. He was doing all these things. And suddenly all the girls that he couldn't get when he was in secondary school, suddenly everybody wanted to be with him. Right. You know, he was right. really popular. Right. Um, and then so next thing, you know, you know, um, he, before he got married, he never wanted to have children. Then next minute, he has a child. And mm -hmm. according to him, his daughter was the clingiest child ever, right? She never <laughs> wanted him yeah. to be away from her. He couldn't even step out of the house. And he was going through this emotional crisis, right? And mm -hmm. one day he, you know, I was having a conversation with him and then he goes, oh yes, but the other day I told you that I was, you know, having suicidal tendencies. And I was like, oh, Oh, you know, wow. Take you seriously, right? So basically, you know, I was thinking about it recently, and this he had a life that he'd wanted for a really long time. And then suddenly, even though he had always not wanted to have children, suddenly he was faced with a child. And children, as anyone knows, they change your life completely, right? Oh, oh yeah. The going out when you want to be being carefree mm -hmm. and all of those things that you wanted gone. to, they <laughs> gone. disappeared, right? Your life is literally gone, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so he was then really struggling with his loss of identity. The person that he had always wanted to be for such a long time, he finally had that person. He was that person. He was so happy with the life that he had. And then suddenly a child was thrown into the mix and he couldn't be that person anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was really, really struggling. So, you know, there are lots of different things that, you know, I could sort of use as um, an example. And so when I think of the loss that I felt after my mom passed away, when I think of the loss that my friend had, you know, after he became a parent, because, you know, it's stuff that he would not admit to probably 99% of the people in his life. I think one of the reasons why he was able to tell me was because we have this really open friendship where nothing is taboo and there is no judgment from me whatsoever, right? So, you know, there's that loss of identity becoming a parent. There's loss of, like, you know, there's the loss you feel when you lose somebody. And there's just so many different losses that, you know, people can um, experience and most times we don't know that we are struggling with unresolved grief because we think I can be strong. I am strong. You know, this thing should mm -hmm. not define me. I'm not going to admit that this thing is affecting me, you know, in a way, you know, in a negative way. Right. And then we try to rationalize it. We try to use logic, but mm -hmm. logic and emotions don't go hand in hand. 
to put this into context, imagine, right, you're having a bad dream and then you scream and you wake up, right? And, you know, you're really afraid. And by the time you go a few hours and then you think about it, but you're like, oh yeah, it's just a dream. You know, why was I afraid? But it's still, you know, now you're trying to use logic to explain an emotion. So logic and emotions, they don't go hand to hand together. And that's why I created, or I'm starting this course of mine, which I'm hoping that when people are not willing to talk or are not ready to talk, they can just come and use my writing course because it's, first of all, okay, let me start. The course is called um, Coping with Unresolved Grief. Use writing as a form of therapy to help you move on with your life and career after an emotional loss when you don't want to or are not ready to talk about how you feel. I think the title is quite self-explanatory, you know, so you've got this unresolved grief, you've been struggling with it for a while, you're still not ready to talk or you don't want to talk, um, but you know, you've got all these emotions that you're feeling, well, I think my course may be able to help. So that's why I got these two ladies, you know, to come on so that they can give more insight into, into it. I will start with Ruthie because Ruthie is an author and, you know, a couple of weeks back, she enrolled in the course. And I said to her, Ruthie, you're an author, right? Why would you want to enroll in a course that is, is using writing as a form of therapy, right? So, Ruthie, do you want to sort of start off, you know, with what sort of grief you were dealing with and why you felt the course would be beneficial to you? Yes. Um, I lost... Um this is my second marriage and I lost my ex-husband. Um, and yes, we were divorced. We were great friends for a long time. Um, and then I lost my mom and then I lost my father and my brother all in one, like within two years. And again, it's, it's, it's like you say, you, you have to be like Spock on Star Trek and be this, you know, just, okay, it's okay. They're, they're gone. Everything's fine. And then you have to be this Captain Kirk in the back of my head going, oh no, I have these feelings, but how do I get them out? Um, I've been writing since I was five years old. And I really, when you're writing as an author for me, I'm writing a story. I have characters. I'm not really writing about my own feelings. You know, um, you're developing this storybook. You're developing this wonderful story for children. I write for children. And I've never really addressed all of these feelings that have happened in the past two years. So when you were talking to me about the grief, I think being an author is great. Because yes, you can put all these, these magical feelings into your character. But when it comes down to you and you're writing about your own feelings, I'm so conflicted. I'm so conflicted. Yes, it's my, my poor daughter found my, her father um, sitting in his chair. He had had a heart attack. And not only do I have those feelings to deal with, I don't know what to say to my daughter who's going through the loss of finding this surprise. And um, I feel that if I could write it and get my feelings to where I can see them in a written word, maybe I can somehow in my mind get it together with the logical and get it together of really what I'm feeling. And then maybe I can help my children 
resolve their issues too. It's just so much has happened in the past two years. I'm so with you in regards to the confusion. And I think as an author, we do have these characters that we're building up in the book, but yet how do we resolve our own issues that are packed down? And I bring up, I need my luggage back up. I need to open it up and, and confront it. And I think that more authors will find so much inspiring um, ideas if we can get our own feelings out there. Does this kind of make sense? It does. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to join the course because I think that expressing how I feel at all of these different points in all these different avenues of my daughter, my son, losing their dad, finding him, you know, and it was so much drama and emotion. How do I help them? I first have to help myself to figure out what I'm feeling. And if I can do that in writing, because I've done it my whole life, I feel other authors could really help um, to build their own character too, to figure out how they feel. It is something that should have been done a long time ago. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, what about you, Lisa? What are your thoughts? It's coming from a professional point of view. Yeah, I think that um, writing is a tremendously effective way to be able to start to come to grips with the, the logical and the emotional side and, and put things together. So like I do a um, part of my, my package that I offer for people that have um, survived something like abuse or trauma is to get them into meditation. And then once the timing is right, get them into what I call creative writing, which for, for me, means that after they're done the meditation, they've got a journal right there and they just start to write down their thoughts. And for a lot of people, they, immediately their intellect comes into play and they start to, to overthink it. And so I tell them, you know, just start out with a couple of sentences about how you were feeling and what you were thinking about during the meditation and then just let things flow. And I find that when they are able to do that and they go back and they look at it, even just a couple of days later, but certainly a couple of weeks or even a month later, they're shocked at how much of a revelation they were actually having during that time. You know, for some of them, they look back and they're like, I don't even recognize this writing. Like, I don't remember feeling this way or thinking this way. And yet here it is. It's all here. I was just kind of allowing my unconscious to speak for me, which is really a lot of what I do on the professional end with the NLP is work with the unconscious mind because it remembers everything. So every feeling that you've ever had, every experience you've ever had, and its job is to protect you, right? So if, if it thinks that to protect you, it needs to hold back some information from you, or it, you're going through in the process of loss, you are feeling a certain way, your unconscious is going to remember feeling that way at other times. So, and it doesn't have to be other times that are similar to this, like you, Ruthie, losing your ex-husband, if you ever had any other time in your life where you felt the loss of something, right? Wanting to get a job and you were turned oh, down yeah. for that promotion, right? Expecting to earn X amount of money by the time you were X years old and you didn't. Mm -hmm. like all these, these are normal losses that everybody experiences and your unconscious mind just kind of 
slots them away in a category, right? Mm, yeah, loss, 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 loss. Mm -hmm. And it all builds up. And then when you have something that is tr as traumatic as a, a death in this case, then that all piles up where your brain is like, oh, I've experienced this before. And like you were saying, Shaggy Lula, it's like, it's like sometimes it can feel like it's getting worse instead of better over time because your unconscious is just looking for feedback all the time to say, oh yeah, I was right. This is a terrible time. I do feel terrible. This is awful. I'm never going to get better. And it's looking for evidence for this and everything that you do, every time you're upset, every time you're depressed, every time you're looking back on something with sadness, it is taking that as evidence of, oh yeah, I'm never going to get better. And then that just kind of fuels the cycle, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It does. So what are some, so you mentioned, I mean, obviously I mentioned the one about grief. I mentioned, you know, loss of identity, you know, becoming a parent. What sort of, what are the other losses that you've come across in a professional capacity? I deal obviously a lot with people that have gone through abuse. So for them, they have a great loss of identity, but it's in a different kind of sense because for a lot of them, they were abused so young that they don't actually know who they are. So rather than, you know, say maybe getting divorced where you were a certain person, you get together with somebody, you naturally start to take on some of their habits and, you know, some of their interests and things like that. And then you divorce and you have this kind of loss of, well, do I actually even like that band? Do I actually like doing these things? Or was I just doing these things because he liked them, right? You have that sense of loss of who I am and you have to rediscover yourself. But in these cases, they, they don't actually know who they are because they've spent so long of their lives putting on a mask to look like what everybody else wants them to look like so nobody asks any questions and nobody has to know what they've gone through. And so it's more of a kind of loss of who they always thought that they would be, you know, and, and looking to try to find who it is that they want to be, realizing that actually they have that power to do that. Yeah. So I don't know if you can hear that in the background. The ice cream man has just arrived. <laughs> Wonderful. Playing. Yeah. It's brilliant, brilliant timing. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do see, you know, on top of that, these are, these are grown people, obviously, that are seeking out my help. And so often they've gone through a lot of different issues, right? Loss of friendships, loss of um, partners. So their relationship breakdown, they have a loss of health because they have been sabotaging themselves so much over their lives because at the root of it, they don't believe that they deserve any better, right? Aww. So they don't believe that they deserve to have a good relationship because they don't feel they deserve to be treated well, right? And so they don't believe that they deserve to look good and feel good. And so their health slips down, right? And they, they're maybe not taking care of themselves well. And so they leave themselves more prone to disease and, and things like that. So there's a lot of different types of loss out there. Thank you so much. Well, um, I think we've come to that time where um, we're going to have to call it um, a wrap. But I really, if you found anything we've said today useful, please go onto my website um, and enroll for the course. It's called Coping with Unresolved Grief. Use writing as a form of therapy to help you move on with your life and career after an emotional loss when you don't want to or are not ready to talk about how you feel. Um, any questions, drop me a line. It's the Shagulola Salami Show. Thanks everyone for coming. See you again soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.